Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests bring you leading-edge astrology conversations through a journey of soul growth patterns connecting astrology's energetic cycles. Get ready to understand your path in the cosmic roots of the stars. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, and I'm the host of Talk Cosmos, this podcast, YouTube, every week. And today, on June 27th, 2021, we're talking about a subject that is currently in the sky, as always our subjects uh, acknowledge. But this one is sort of bridging the past and the future, and sometimes a long past. But at this moment, it opens up a whole conversation that's near and dear to my heart. And I have a wonderful new panel. You know, we have our three panels that continue on the uh, uh, members, but it's very exciting to have, for me, to have an opportunity to bring in people that I'd love to listen to, uh, share their thoughts on some subject. So what is the subject? The subject is walk your talk. Aldebaran mental integrity. What is that? The fixed star. It's a royal star. It's the eye of the bull. The constellation Taurus has one of the four royal stars that sit on the ecliptic. That's the path that the sun goes around and the earth and astronomy here, but pardon me if I didn't express that quite correctly. Uh, And it because of the fact that we're moving, everything is moving, nothing is static, no matter what it looks like. And it has preceded one degree every 72 years. That's, that's a bit of a long time. That's as long, well, anyway, um, I'm saying it's a lifetime. And it, it is now at 10 degrees Gemini. It's taken 700 years to get there since 1298. Now you can say 1298, what was that? It was a time of the Middle Ages, which was a long time, 600 years at least, um, 800 years of the Middle Ages, and that moved towards into the Renaissance and of course, as we know, the Enlightenment. And here we are in 2021 of maybe AI adventures forward, we don't know. But the fact is, is that Values has everything to do with Taurus. And in Gemini, it has everything to do about communication. This star, in its own light, as sifting down into our cosmos energy that we reflect, is trying to tell us, let's get our act together as to the real message of what integrity means. Walk the talk. Hey, that's one of the phrases that I always respond to. So the importance of why right now we might even be listening is because our common destiny, the North Node, or as we call it here in the Western astrology, is at also 10 degrees, conjunct that point. And it happens to be that the United States of America that was founded on, well, founded its declaration in July 4th, 1776, as we all know, in that Sibley chart that I use, at least, and just because it's common and I do, and it's pretty well known, at 5, 10 p.m. in Philadelphia, has our Uranus almost at nine degrees, meaning those 
this is a lot, a little bit of astronomy and astrology for those, but most are astrologers here. I mean, listening. It, they're, it's, they're connecting in an exact conjunction, and that will be at the end of July when uh, the North Node goes right to nine degrees, which will be on our USA Uranus, which, hey, that means authenticity. It wants to break the system to get back to the real deal of your who you are. Uh, it can be difficult. The changes can be hard. It can be sudden. It can be illuminating. It's in, 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 intuitive. You know, that flash of lightning comes down. So th there's so much more to say. But that is a theme, like the nest that we're kind of cooking in right now. And the sky also has a lot of other, a lot of combined aspects that are juggling how we're working. With all of this, I have a great crew. So let's me now announce who these great three astrologers are. I have Samuel F. Reynolds. He's an ESR cap, a farmer skeptic, had a life-changing visit to an astrologer and has spent 30 years doing charts, studying astrology. And he currently serves on the board of the directors of the International Society for Astrological Research, which is ISAR. And... You can show, uh, not me, but show Sam <laughs> or all of us. Yeah, and the International Academy of Astrology. And most importantly, Sam's a co-founder of the International Society of Black Astrologers and a faculty member of the International Academy of Astrology. Sam's an author. He writes and prints online outlets, not outlets, outlets, thank you. Ebony, horoscope. Tarot, New York Magazine, and Sam is a traditional astrology consultant, and he teaches marvelous webinar classes. And most importantly, how I've really connected with Sam is the fact that he's an international conference keynote speaker and lecturer, and very clear and astute in everything he does. Anyway, I'm very thankful to have him, and his home website is unlockastrology.com. All right. Thank you, Sam. Then we have Laura Tad, Dr. Tad, who's a spiritually oriented psychological astrologer and works as an astrological counselor, writer, teacher, lecturer. Her classes include the power of myth, personal myth, cosmic conversations, stories you carry and tell as seen through the lens of astrology. She's a board member of International Association of Ethics of Astrology, IAEA, on the steering committee of AFAN, uh, the Washington State Astrological Association, many boards, and the planning committee for the UAI, not I, but conference, UAC, in 2018. And Dr. Tad also writes for the Mountain Astrologer, CelestialVibesTarot.com, and lives in Atlanta, near south of there, and has a PhD in human science. And her website is mythicsky.com. And thank you, Laura. And thank you for joining. And thank you, too, for everybody listening as I try to give homage to all your wonderful uh, qualifications. And our third most illustrious guest is Dr. Stormy Grace. And Dr. Grace is a practicing astrologer with a successful and entertaining YouTube show interviewing astrologers, sharing a wealth of knowledge. And this crowdfunded YouTube Astrology Academy of hers brings the community together by providing free 
basic astrology classes taught by the finest astrologers around the world. And I know for a fact that Sam was one of the wonderful guests that has a wonderful, I think, a whole series of classes. So do check that out. It's going to be so informative. Also at Anchor's Stormy Grace podcast, and she has Patreon, Stormy Grace. And since 2014, Stormy's consulted individuals and groups in Colorado and around the globe. Stormy holds a doctor of business and applies those skills to business, mundane astrology, and personal chart work. She's a faculty member of the Portland School of Astrology, not far south of Seattle, and a board member of OPA, a member of AFAN, ESAR and NCGR. So you can see that the three of these collect on a many wider scale than just personally. They're helping to motivate how astrology is moving forward. And a contributor to Career Astrologer, this is a magazine, an astrology hub in Midheaven. Her home website is stormygrace.com. Thank you, Stormy. It's a very great pleasure to have you join. So here we are, these three great minds, and we might think just as an entry, it's like how to enter this great conversation. But many paths, they contribute these energies to our common paths. But this royal Aldebaran fixed star at 10 degrees, Gemini, that's in our north node currently at 10 degrees, and the Uranus of the USA is certainly a real kickoff spot, especially when we see the news trying to bring attention to inequities that we're always needing to rectify, particularly because we have this forthcoming um, Pluto return. So in my fashion, I don't have any particular question, but if you, someone feels inspired to uh, join on something, I know that um, Maybe I'll say one more factor is that on the nodes, Mercury just went direct. We're covering the path that we started in the middle of May. And now Jupiter that had just gone into Pisces is now going retrograde. So it's kind of like we're thinking straight, but we're rethinking what does it all mean? Yeah. Well, Sam, go ahead. Well, I think about what, Dr. King said the night before he died with his um, I've been to the mountaintop speech and one of the things he says about, you know, the actual quote, just to get it right, is always say to America is be true to what you said on paper and I think in terms of talking about integrity and the North Node transiting over the, the U.S. Uranus I think that's the, the key question that really, quote unquote, plagues America at this particular point in its history. Mm -hmm. And that's not just on the issue of race or gender or sex or questions of ability, but it's really the question of how do we balance the idea of individual rights, which America in the Northern Hemisphere at its time um, was revolutionary in advocating you know, as breaking away from the idea of a king and a monarch. It was more so to advocate the idea of individual rights as also balanced against collective rights. Um, what's good for society, the pursuit of happiness, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So I think 
we're really at this particular point to to really come back to our revolutionary roots and what that really means for us as a country. That is potent and actually so accurate in my heart and soul. Yes. Dr. Ted? Um, yeah, well, I think absolutely. I think that that's part of this, I don't know, reckoning that we're coming to collectively as a as a country in all its many facets, right? And how that can show up of, do we speak our truth? Do we walk our talk? Is it just lip service, right? And um, as a, what was sort of revolutionary or sort of rebelling for the sake of rebelling versus actually having a cause behind it. And so having to examine that now as we come to the, you know, with the Pluto return coming up and this alignment happening of if we're going to go forward, it needing to be more than with any kind of true revolutionary intent, um, the, uh, that it is, we are walking our talk. It's not just lip service because where we've had lip service, we see how that's not worked. That's where things have fallen away or have not you know, didn't live into the dream, right? And, um, or the the potentiality that that could have been that, you know, because we're human and flawed and not enlightened, didn't manifest that way. Um, and so going forward, like taking part of that retrograde energy too, it's like, oh, we get to review. Okay, we've learned what didn't work. How do we go forward? Mm, true. And moving into that, you know, with the North Node energy being... You know, that's the going forward. And there can be the reflectiveness of it with the nodal cycles of looking, okay, 18 years ago when the nodes were where they are now, it wouldn't have been bringing in the fixed star in the same way, but the node nodal pattern exists. Um, and yeah, just sort of, I think yeah. that finding new language and... and there you go. I like that. Language. New language. That is a key rather than like, let's boot out some of our cliches that just get us into new arguments, renewing the old arguments. Let's expand and come up with new context and stuff. Well, like and, that. But I think that there's also this examination. Brandeis just came out with a new list of words that are supposed to be avoided in the classroom. Um, and some of it is that because it could be seen as um being excluding or it could be confrontational some of it makes sense some of it's kind of over the top that apparently you know they feel like we need to refrain from using the word trigger language or trigger that the, a, a because trigger could be triggering like the idea that yeah. the a trigger could be triggering because it could be a gun and so now we can't get say trigger warning because the very idea of that term could be triggering and that's getting into this weird, like, meta approach to language, even though some of what they're saying, I think, has a lot of validity to explore. It is cerebral. Yeah. And it is not using the word slave, but using enslaved person, right? Or enslavement rather than this identification of something, but what happened to an individual as opposed to labeling. Maybe um, that would be 
and we can get other feedback anyway it, it makes me realize is the effort then to not personalize we are in the sun right now with cancer everything is so personal i, I was remembering that but it's our story too we need a new story but if we make it personal then it makes it uh Maybe the fact that we're going towards Chiron now with the woundedness and we can't use that unless we can make it useful to everybody else. You know, it is an Aries and that's part of our business. I'm interested in Dr. Grace and I will call you guys eventually by your first names. I went by Dr. Tad, so it's Laura. <laughs> Dr. Grace, who is Stormy. Do you have some, any kind of little thought? If you did, don't, that's great. I, I don't mean <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting to look at the that North Node being conjunct Uranus because definitely think about these ideas for sure of of meeting or being encouraged with that North Node movement to do things like find, you know, different language, new language, but also, you know, some of the things that struggling towards that North Node definitely represents and traditionally Gemini energy are not, it's not a very good listening energy. So encouraging us to listen in different ways, as well as how we speak, you know, I think that that is a piece of the story looking at that in the United States of how we will progress forward. There has to be kind of equal part listening and, and talking, but also, you know, kind of look, just looking at the conjunction of that energy that is really, really creative for change. I mean, it's ripe for a breakthrough. It's ripe for new thinking and new information to be available should we be willing to take advantage of it. But it also makes me think about how much effort sometimes it takes to also allow the South Node to detach us from those old ideas, you know, from the things that we've known forever. Maybe we have been afraid at some level of change. And, you know, in the United States, we've been as we've been for a very long time. So I don't care what grouping you come from. I think there is some acknowledgement that we have to give to that fear of changing into what we can be next, because that might be a little bit unconventional and unconventional based on what we've been doing, right? Not necessarily unconventional, like it's the first and the newest and the most, you know, in innovative thing ever, but just different than we have been. And there's all Always some, there's always some fear in that, I think. So I think that these speak to some pretty big um, concepts of how we're going to be able to break any kind of new ground, you know, at least as, as a country. And what we do as a country will have a ripple uh, to the global stage as well. We do think, uh, thank you. Yeah, we definitely have that position, although it is changing too. I remember with mm -hmm. um, Biden going to Europe for the climate was it the climate change, I think? And they said, well, this is all fine and great, but, you know, the trust had been broken, essentially, with the past uh, presidency that broke, that had break, broken away from it. So at any rate, yes, but we are definitely, um, thankfully, yeah, a voice that needs to have its creative. I love that. You know, really, when we think about it, that is hopeful, too, because... If it was 700 years ago and it entered Gemini and went into the Renaissance um, and that that whole business, but and it's cultural conditioning. It's really true, you know, between. But going back to the my my brain is weaving back and through these thoughts here and I'm going back to the revolution, too, because 
certainly I do land on that idea of identity that of the individual and the group. And, you know, it makes me realize that it, there isn't now that we have a better system, we trust of roads and tools and uh, you know, we even have garage sales. You can buy secondhand things. You don't have to, I mean, you don't have to go, you live in other countries. They don't, I lived in Mexico for a while. There weren't any secondhand places, you know, the, not like here in the United States, if you wanted to refurnish your place on any scale. So in other words, I'm just saying on a big scale, we have a, a real uh, level of, of, of um, status of living. And so what I'm getting through is, is that if we need to be individual, this idea like I have to look out for myself, which one does, there's accountability, but yet this, this toggling into the group, elevating that, you know, which has become that the political warfare of today of my rights, you know, versus, how that affects the group. Um, it seems like we're at a better position if we, let's look at the chart for a minute. Let's see what we can see there. I'm going to do that. Because well, I'm I, th- there. I think that this pattern and this theme of what's good for the group versus the self, I mean, that was so much of this past year. We're still seeing that of like, I mean, to wear a mask or not to wear a mask. That was all tied into this, like for the group or the self, right? Oh, I'm, my rights are being infringed upon versus no, but you're taking care of your community. Um, you know, that's part of all of this. And I think too, Stormy, you brought up a great point in terms of Gemini's challenge to listen, right? Because it's <laughs> always sort of into five thoughts ahead of what it's saying. And so it's really hard to pay attention and be present when that's the case. And I think there's an element of that polarity of the South node that has some of that challenge too. I remember years ago, I, Laura Nelbandon in a talk was describing Sag, like Sages will, or people who have a lot of Sagittarius in their chart will repeat themselves a lot because if you don't agree, you've just not understood what I'm saying. <laughs> and if you understood, if you understood what I was saying, you'd agree with me. And that's part of sort of another manifestation of that challenge to, to listen or to hear. And it's like, it's okay to not be on the same page. We can have different opinions and coexist as a community. We don't all have to agree to be able to agree to live harmoniously. Pluralism. Absolutely. Well, and it's neat because I think about that South node and we're going to, Oh, here we go. We've got some chart. I'm looking at the South node and it's like this, this very Sagittarian idea of I've, I've had the truth forever. This is the truth. And we're pulling away from a past where we're like, maybe that's not it. And instead I think we're really being asked as a community and as cultures to listen, to go back to being students of who and what and where we're at so that we can figure out who and what we are. You know, I do think that's a struggle of the United States is we do not seem to have an agreed upon identity like many other places do. And I think we have to learn and figure out what that is. 
right now. And some of that maybe plays into this, but it gets a little bit interesting when we think about, you know, having had Jupiter blow through Aquarius as well. And then we have the pandemic and it's this idea of less your rights, my rights, and Jupiter makes things huge and I can get on board with all of it. And before I know it, it's just too big. And there are all of these ideas. And I'm like, wait a minute, do I actually believe in that? Does that fit my moral compass, my values? What do I think about that? So I do in this as well, think that the Jupiter retrograde is absolutely as, as potent as anything else as well. Cause we're going to have to go back over this huge amount of enthusiasm we had, cause it is so easy to have some real cool enthusiasm <laughs> when the whole world's on board with this idea or it feels good to rally for something, but then to actually have the integrity to make it stick is a little bit more of a challenge. And I think that's a little bit of what I heard when we were talking about um, Aldebron. And I don't know, from what I know, the very little of that, Aldebron and Antares go together. They're the same sides of, of, you know, they're different sides of the same coin. And both of which are happy to get away with murder charmingly if the masses will get on board. So it's like, well, okay, but what are, what are we doing? I think we need to listen and be clear on the ideas and the information we're about to try to crystallize into our new societies as we go forward because I don't think every idea or every uprising or every group I've heard this year is fabulous. I think some of them suck and are absolutely detrimental for us. So, you know, we've got, thank God for review. <laughs> yes. yes. And Sam, I'm integrity. Boy, I love the code words you came out with all of this agreed identity. Yeah. That is like, who are we really? And, 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 and and to scratch away some of the the perceived uh, um, shells just to see, I mean, and that's really the whole key, really. I mean, values is not a material thing. It's like, is someone loving? Is someone giving? Is someone trust trustworthy? You know, it's like how, how supportive. You know, just that changing. Sam, what's do you have some? thoughts i'm sure well my mind is going back to the to the 13th century when we had this shift and that was a very i mean all centuries you could argue are important but that was a pretty important century mm -hmm. because in 1215 we have the magna carta and so that becomes a instrumental argument for dealing with rights Right, which becomes a precedent for what becomes the Declaration of Independence. And then in 1258, we have the collapse of Baghdad, which ends the Islamic golden era of thriving, um, a thriving conversation about learning in the world. And that's very significant, especially, you know, I'm a Muslim for, and those in the Muslim world, because the Muslim world generally, you know, even the using the star Aldebaran, right? That's from Arabic, uh, right? And yes. because a lot of the stars are can come from that period of learning. And the so golden. when you have the golden era of mm -hmm. Islamic, you know, scholarship, and that's significant right. because Islamic scholarship never became that again. Like, yes. even though we had some of that in Constantinople, uh, it, it, it didn't reach that level as it did for you know, it's 500 years. Yeah, a long time. 
Long and age. then and then in 1298, the actual year that we have this shift around that time frame, in China, we have the development of wooden blocks being used as movable type um, in, in for a press. Now, that's significant, too, in thinking about how communication also kind of comes into the mix related to, you know, what's happening in the world. And, you know, um, what's interesting and significant about this particular moment is that this is also the, the Saturn return for the World Wide Web. And why that's significant, mm -hmm. it becomes a proof of concept of, I guess, of a, um, of a development from a Gemini, Tim Berners-Lee, who developed the World Wide Web. It became a proof of concept for how the world communicates on a scale it has never done before. And I think, so part of, as we're talking about integrity, we're also talking about how we communicate. We're also talking about how we talk about each other's rights, you know, going back to the Magna Carta. And then also in terms of how we deal with the beginnings of worlds and the collapse of worlds. One of the things that's significant about Aldebaran is that, as you mentioned, it's one of the royal stars of Persia, but it also was the foundational star for what we knew as the beginning of the vernal equinox. So it's called the follower because it was more yes. so following the east, which is the beginning. So talking about new beginnings, new language, all these things, focusing on Aldebaran, on Uranus, the planet that's associated with revolution and change and novelty, it's, it's all a a calling for for newness and renewal in terms of the things that we talked about, all the mercurial things. Mercury deals with commerce. I, I call it the three comms, commerce, communication, and commuting, um, how we're getting around. So all those things are also surfacing. Oh, Sam, thank you all. Thank you, Stormy. Thank you, Laura. This is just, I jotted these down. We'll return right back with a whole new seed of, of um, regrouping from... 1298. Thank you. This is Talk Cosmos on June 27th, and we're talking about Aldebaran, mental integrity, and we'll be right back. Thanks. we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. Currently, we are in the period of cancer. By leaving a cycle based on connecting mental communication to the external, the energy of cancer involves emotions, which create our personal story through our emotional associations and attachments. As a cardinal water sign that is nurturing, cancer needs to process emotions in one's own internal rhythm of cycles in order to complete an evolution. Talk Cosmos brings you leading-edge astrological conversations with hour-long programs each week on KKNW. The show goes live every Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific. Talk Cosmos weekly programs are also available to watch live on Facebook and YouTube, along with daily chats throughout the week on the Talk Cosmos YouTube channel. While you're there, Make sure you click like and subscribe buttons so you can get the full Talk Cosmos experience. Or, if you'd rather listen to the show archives with audio only, 
the entire podcast collection since 2018 is available on most podcast carriers. So grab your coffee, tea, or kombucha and enjoy the show. This is Sarah Stromley at Brain Body Therapy, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, where we unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build on the collective experience. Bored with the other stations, hammering away on the same old talking points? Try Alternative Talk 1150 and get some variety. Hi again, we're back, and we're with, and I'll identify, Sam Reynolds, Stormy Grace, Dr. Grace, and Dr. Laura Tad, and myself. And we just, you know, looking back at Aldebaran, the royal star, one of them, in the eye of the bull. I'm looking at my notes. I'm sorry. I'm not looking at you. And I'm thinking that um, there's a question as we are trying to come up with these new stories and trying to find out also who are we, our identity. We are, yes, part of, with, I'll throw this out. We're part of the whole world. Like, what are we doing and where are we going on earth? Because we do have this global witnessing uh, recognition now. And yes, we are in this nation working towards our integrity. But, you know, when I think about it, there's there's another way to feed into how we might feel uh, not so isolated in our autonomy, right? You know, that, that by bridging the idea of because, like, Sam, you were bringing out the print um, in China that came in 1298 and the, the Saturn return of the World Wide Web, this communication, which is always a rites of passage when there's a Saturn return. We get to reboot on a new level of that maturity, the, whether it's the fruit of it or, or the growth, a new growth pattern. And just by communicating globally, such as we have, such as um, some of the uh, the good and the bad. I mean, we have climate change that we're working with. We have um, U.S. Uh, um, political things that are impacting us still. With George Floyd, uh, that's 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 hit a hit a nerve of oppression and lack of of of. Um, uh, not just identity, but of uh, fulfillment of, of just plain existing, the dignity of being a person. So, uh, and, and then we also have like, what are these uh, things out there in the space that the, the pilots see that finally the government said, yes, they're there. We still don't know what they are, but they definitely are different than what we have. So whether they're identified objects or not. But in other words, all these areas are ways to bridge communication globally if we start thinking especially about caring for our earth and how that might change who we are, you know, a different as kind of a purpose to. Um, so for, I mean, during the little break, a couple things that came to mind for me was I think, you know, Sam, you brought up a great point in terms of with China during that this uh, the beginning of this cycle of so that's the, sort of the birth of the printing press, right? And so is the origin of those blocks, 
and the web being this origin of a new way of communicating. And so in addition to actual new languaging and verbiage that the, what can be invented is an entirely new form of communication. Right. That maybe it's some sort of telepathy or something, but something we can't even imagine because it's Uranus. So as soon as you expect it, it won't be that. Right. And and so some other entirely new way of communicating or what we don't even think of as communication yet being a way of interacting with each other has is part of the potential of this this shift that then can you know, and maybe we're seeing it show up in various different events that are happening globally, but that it's this call to find other ways of interrelating with each other. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think about, you know, Uranus, especially transiting, being so much about not just that electric energy and the change, but being about cultures. And because we've got the web the East and the West can talk in ways that we've never shared ideas before and quickly, you know, so we have an opportunity to not only share that conversation, but the, to turn on our web cameras and to share the experience of what it's like to live in these different cultures and these ideas and the kind of bridge the gap. And that does create a new language, a new idea, a new potential way of being that maybe we just hadn't thought of, or we were too afraid to think of before. You know, one of these ideas I, I, I pay a lot of attention to, especially with the United States, this idea we revolted. We had a revolution because we wanted to be us. We wanted to be this thing over here. And that meant we were really different than these things over here in the in the East. We didn't do things the way that they did. We didn't look that way. Our, our systems were not set up the same way. But I also think we're the young people on the stage as a country. And at some point we've had to look to the East and go, okay, well, hold on. They've been around for a really long time. Like, what are they doing that's working? So for us, it is a genuine opening from that Sagittarian position of maybe we don't have all the answer, but what petulant teenager doesn't run around thinking they've just got all of it figured out until they figure out they actually don't even know how to drive, you know, and they better get some instruction. And I think that, I think that, you know, in a very just growth of people development, um, countries develop a lot like, like children, like people, you know, we are, we are in our teenage ship. So we have a, a lot to be open to, but because we're in our teenage ship, teenagers go out and find cool stuff that's going on. See what's happening over there. You know, we get all of these inventions. Mm -hmm. So I think we're at a sweet time in the United States where we're getting to do that as well. But now we have to see what we're going to do with that. Where does that fit into our maturity, which will touch the entire country, which will then touch our space on on that global stage, I think. And it, that brings up a, an interesting point that I think I started reflecting on while Saturn was in Sagittarius that we need to expend, I mean, extend into what's going on now. I mean, the United States has largely lionized, maybe even idealized, idolized the idea of its opening its doors and being a nation of immigrants. You know, I've only been alive 53 years, but in, in my 53 years, I can't recall a time when we haven't done that as much as we're, we're now not doing that about immigrants. Like this country mm -hmm. seems like it's decided, you know, contrasting to Stormy's point, where it's not as open to the experimentation mm -hmm. of new energy 
coming in, new ideas, reshaping our identity. And it's starting to show in our levels of production. We're not coming out. I mean, America, speaking of that Uranus, I mean, we may be the youngest on the block and driven more by ideals than by blood and history. But I will say with a lot of pride as an American, we've come out with some kick-ass ideas, you know? True. Um, you know, I will say in a heartbeat, you know, especially if a European or some other person like, we, we did this, blah, blah, we invented, we invented the damn plane. What you got, right? So <laughs> The right brothers, thank you. Yeah. Right. We got the plane, right? Which shortened the distance for everything related, you know, in relation oh, to yeah. the world. There's so much that we have invented but we're not coming to that level of inventiveness anymore. It's yeah. other countries that are are, are yeah. rising up because I think we've kind of shut down and we're not opening up like like Stormy said in terms of like being the teenager. What's that? What's this? You know, yeah. our, our curiosity is not as strong as it used to be. I was reflecting exactly on this yesterday because here I've moved to the island and we've lived here before, but not 24-7. And I was just thinking of what's the difference? Because I've moved to various places in my many years. And, um, and so one of them is, is I was reflecting just on that. Now, in my 20s, it was like uh, curiosity. Is that anyway, you'd go here, you'd go there, you'd just explore and, and discover things. It was like easy, just what you did more. But what rules into all of this is connectivity. I'm thinking at least that is a gift that Gemini has right now as our destiny and with Mercury is that connectivity. Because you're right. If we don't embrace other people's ideas, not that they have to conform. It's that whole breaking down of conform, conforming to who and to what and to where. Because, you know, back at the revolution too, this is going back to that, there often I realized there were people that still wanted the king of England. You know, they were not necessarily for uh, um, Yankee Doodle and all that stuff. You know, <laughs> right? it's like so. It, it's sometimes and on a other spiritual level or astrologically connected. I often think, and I don't think I'm alone in, by any means, that we have whole groups of people being born at this time from past energetic levels. So we have people that want the king. We have people that want independence. We have, you know, but in a new framework, you know, it's a, anyway, going back to connection. And I, don't know. Yes. I, mean, I think that the failure or the lack of the innovation, Sam, that you speak to, I think some of that's part of this Pluto return, mm -hmm. right? That I think, you know, people become fanatical when they see what they want or value or they think is important disappearing. That's when you get fanaticism, oh, right? And so it's actually the death rattle of those things. And then people become fanatics. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so I think mm -hmm. the failure to embrace change, the failure, the this, yeah, we've, there's always been a history in this country of oh, no, Irish need apply, but they were still immigrating, right? They might right. not have been able to get a job, but they were still able to come into the country. And this closing of the borders thing is weird. You know, it's a new phenomena in this country. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, there's points in history, you know, during World War II of the ships that were turned around of Jewish children, right? There are those stories. 
but I do think that it, this failure to innovate right now that's happening is is connected to this Pluto return of like, oh, wait, we really have to be, we're shedding the skin as the snake into a whole new entity. And people are freaked out about that happening. And so they don't want anything to change. And they're stuck in that, you know, that, that Taurian sort of energy of not going to go anywhere. Um, and hopefully, you know, the Pluto return could actually be a release of that into, oh, right, there's actually, you can exhale with transformation. Their skin needs to be shed because you've outgrown it. And maybe that's a potential for it, but we're not there yet. We're in the like uncomfortable skin space. Yeah, I agree completely. And it's an interesting time. I mean, we've got a whole lot of generations alive and on the planet mm. at the same time, which creates a wide stream of, of thought and belief about what is right and what we've seen society believe and what we believe society can be. So it's just there's a whole big mixed bag of like stream of thought and stream of purpose. So I do think that the Pluto return will be potent as well, because, you know, throughout history, we can see that some of these returns are effective because they sweep out what can't vibrationally be sound enough to go forward with anymore. And we may see a fair amount of like mass exodus of people. Again, that yeah. is not my favorite, but throughout history seems to be an efficient way uh, of getting things done energetically, right? And yeah. I remember, oh, go ahead, Sam. Oh. No, I was just going to say, it's funny that Stormy went there because one of the things I was going to mention, we've talked a good amount about the Pluto return, but, you know, in a, in a, in a couple of years, well, more than a couple of years, maybe in about five years, we're also going to be going toward maybe less than that, the Uranus return. Mm-hmm. And one thing to note about the Uranus return um, the United States has never not been at war when Uranus has gone back to Gemini. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's never not been at war Wow. with somebody, with itself, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. yeah oh, oh just... that's that duality. Yes, of course. And it's bridging that. I'm sorry, we're going on a tangent, but not really. It's spirit matter. Right. Because it, that to me is the best part of Gemini, the psychopomp within just navigating those whole realms. And here in Gemini, it's of the if we look at the experiences, you know, the trauma, which is evolutionary thinking somewhat, but a de- associating evolutionary wise that there's such great change happening during Uranus that people can't catch up like future shock, like the book future shock it's just a psychological breakdown um and therefore it it, you know shock and trauma they they bring out frozen attributes uh, not attributes but things like that but that's very true and in fact um but oh my goodness i mean to me there is a if we can identify and i think too i'm just hopeful here that we will lift up. We're going through this change as we know, like a horizontal and a vertical up and down and horizontal. If we're moving from material thinking of 200 years, not for the first time in the world, but as far as thinking about all that technological stuff that happened in the 200 years. And, um, and I haven't gone away from 
Uranus and Gemini. But anyway, as we move towards um, air thinking of, of refocusing, uh, how do we manage this in life? I do hope that people recognize more the true um, connection with the universe on a spiritually. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. interesting. I mean, I saw that pattern recently because I was preparing for a talk and looking at Uranus's pattern in Taurus and what was showing up. And then I was like, wait a second, it's out of Taurus just before every, it was like Revolutionary War, Civil War, World War II. Um, and thinking about it in the context of those wars for the U.S. in particular were wars very tied to ideals and Right. We've been in other wars that didn't happen under that transit. And all three of those were very driven by ideological concepts. Right. And so that being it's not just, oh, we'll be at war because we've been in the Middle East for the last 20 years. But um, this idea of like, oh, something that's about I, that brings in that Gemini component of the mm -hmm. of of that alignment. Mm -hmm. um, and could it be that it's not actual physical war? Maybe it's a revolution, we're fighting for our ideals and it's not at the cost of human life, potentially. I don't know, well, we don't is, seem to be going in that direction, but hopefully. Well, this is where, you know, we have a chance to listen to astrologers, right? But, and so we hope we can interrupt that cycle and narrative but as Stormy also said, you know, nature has shown that when you have a glut of a certain level of mindset and people, you know, the nature sloughs it off. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm putting it kindly, and, and, and no one is, fact. and and no one is, you know, obviously trying to promulgate the idea of eugenics or you know, some people got to go or or deciding which people go. Yeah, but, it's not manipulation. Right. It's just the it's, natural it's just flow. It seems. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, just just as though we have had a pandemic. I Correct. mean, there is nature, and there's forest fires, and there's. I was just reading about Miami. is It's like uh, getting a little too close to the water as the water is rising. We have a fifth ocean. We know that the Arctic. I mean, we could go on and on about climate among ourselves that we recognize. So yes, there's many ways that um, the pendulum swings in life, you know, the, the space, I mean, looking back at why, come to think of it, back to 1298, the reason there was a renaissance is because of the plague. You know, 1348, the plague came along and went on for like 300 years, but off and on in different areas, but it killed off, I mean, a lot of people died, so the land was available. Not only was trade available, but the land was available. People could suddenly farm and there was enough space. I mean, Bob and I went to Ireland one time. Well, briefly, it was a, I worked for the airlines. And so we jumped over there. I thought I would be a flight attendant, but I never was. I worked on the ground. But the point was, is that in five days, we did a and b going from spot to spot and uh, they were teeny little plots. They were probably 10 feet. Uh, 10 feet that they had, I think the little walls, you know, there wasn't anything else. These little squares that people had inherited, inherited, inherited that they couldn't live on, you know, which is just one story of life. Um, yes. 
Well, I think one of the things <laughs> that I hope also surfaces that we remember from this plague, from this pandemic, is, you know, both the promise of globalism and the challenges of globalism, right? Um, in terms of the promise of globalism is like we are the world, you know, bringing together the world, like something, a, a wave in China becomes like something that ripples throughout the whole world, right? And became yeah. important. But at the same time, we can't lose a sense of ourselves, you know, locally, because at the same time, we were also dependent on imports from China for masks and different things that we weren't dealing with here. Mm-hmm. We had stopped so much production in the U.S. So mm-hmm. it's kind of balancing, you know, localism and globalism. And I think part of the inventing or the technology or in this piece that needs to come back here. I mean, it's actually like it's becoming a really big issue with construction in this country. And like, you know, my dishwasher died during Mercury retrograde and Best Buy is back ordered and out of stock two or three weeks. For the, I mean, I was going to order when they're like, yeah, we can't get it to you till August 28th. You know, there's just because all the parts are coming from mm-hmm. China and everything is backlogged because nothing is manufactured here. Mm-hmm. And that can be part of this Uranian piece of bringing back technology, bringing back, you know, or just having it a greater, it doesn't even need to be here. It's just greater diversity. Maybe it's not this singularity of dependence that it could be out of Europe. It could be out of Africa. It could be, you know, yes. And if I might say, which is the Gemini. Yeah. We only have a couple of minutes and I am thinking in a nutshell, it's kind of like the, um, the mother in uh, necessity is a mother of invention. If if I, I don't even, did I say that correctly? But the point, thank you. And so in other words, this matter of scarcity of, of material forcing us in just as an example of connecting in order to embrace, in order to re-express, learn how to express in a new way, how to make collaboration for needs, at least is one way that the world has, as we are living as a spirit in this body, in this world, to uh, go further, I mean, to expand into... Oh, what we have to expand into and, and, and create. I will say that next week we have uh, Planet Buzz. That's right. Planet Buzz <laughs> panel. And tonight I have a wonderful, uh, extraordinary panel with uh, Dr. Stormy Grace, Samuel F. Reynolds of Unlock Astrology, and Dr. Laura Tad with me talking about uh, different directions that the universe is bringing to our attention of how to be, how to be all of ourselves with all of ourselves. So I have a moment. We have a couple of seconds. The minute this music will just sort of ease us out. So thank you so very much. So Sam, Stormy, and Laura, if you have anything you want to say, please do. (laughs) Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you for a great conversation. Yes. (laughs) I really appreciate it. And thank you to all our audience. Subscribe and check everybody out on the website. Okay. Till again. Thank you for joining us on Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests connect soul growth patterns with the energetic cycles of astrology. 
Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time to continue your journey through the roots of the cosmic pathway. 